Hi, everybody, and welcome to Unstoppable Truth. My guest today is Heather Buckmaster. She is from Edmonton and a graduate of University of Alberta with a degree in sociology and psychology. Heather currently resides in BC with her two school-aged children. A former employee of Tunaha Children and Family Services as a guardianship social worker. Welcome to Unstoppable Truth, Heather. It's so nice to meet you and have you here. Hi, it's nice to meet you too, and I'm really excited to be here today. <laughs> well, we got connected through a mutual friend, and I'm super grateful because you have mm. an incredible story uh, of your experience, uh, what you went through through this whole pandemic mm-hmm. as a social worker, and I just want to get right to it. Can Absolutely. you just start with what happened at, even at the beginning of the pandemic with uh, lockdowns, and let's start from the very beginning of, of this whole thing. <laughs> sure. I mean, I started working at Tanaha. And first, I want to say it was an honor to work for Tanaha for a period of time. Um, I learned a tremendous amount there. There's great work being done there. So I really value my time there. Um, so, you know, when I started working there at the beginning of the pandemic, um, I think shortly thereafter, we saw a school shut down. And that was the first kind of indicator for everyone that was something huge was going on. Um, it was quite shocking. Um, uh, when we saw that happen, um, the social systems that everyone depended on so closely um, were kind of, you know, the rug was taken out from underneath us um, and the alarm bells were kind of sounding at that point. Um, you know, we saw basketball rims being taken down in school parks, um, things like that, right? Where there were sort of um, lucid moments where you knew again that something was wrong, poignant moments really, um, where your heart kind of sunk as you saw what was happening around you. Um, and then finally, when the kids went back to school and we saw them masked and muzzled, um, another indicator that uh, we had really lost sight of uh, health, you know, overall. <laughs> yeah. This wasn't about our health. We're all, Not at all. incredibly aware of that. Absolutely. Um, so as I said, I started working during the pandemic, um, worked all the way through it. Um, eventually, we saw the passports come out where no one can enter restaurants and so on. Um, and then it became obvious to me that the mandates were probably going to pass for us too. the vaccine mandates at work. Um, they did pass eventually. Um, a lot of people hoped that they wouldn't. Um, but it became fairly obvious that the decision had been made. Um, sort of the dialogue was shut down around anything like that, as we saw sort of in the broader culture of Canada, right, where uh, there was a lot of censorship. Uh, people began policing their own thoughts almost, um, not expressing anything out loud. Um, we did have some foster parents even step forward and say, can we write letters of support that we want these, you know, social workers to continue working? And, you know, administration had said, there's no point. Um, the decision's made. We don't want to have those difficult conversations or dialogue, right? Um, again, like that um, pressure to just all create this consensus and not have any, you know, constructive conversation around it. Um, there was even, you know, the breach of medical privacy that we started to observe was shocking. And even more shocking was the fact that people weren't even reacting to it. They had already sort of dissociated from that critical thought. Um, they had stepped away from the rights that they had enjoyed previously of privacy that are so fundamental to freedom. Uh, there was an email sent around even, you know, openly to all the staff saying, this is our list of people that plan to be vaccinated. Does anyone want to join, right? You wouldn't have never seen something like that a few years ago. And there was, you know, really no pushback. Um, we had social workers that had worked there for 
you know, a couple for 14 years. Uh, they had long-term relationships with clients, which is so important, particularly to Indigenous communities a lot of times. Uh, they were let go as well, right? I think there were six staff let go altogether. Um, I want to point out that one of my mentors who was also let go had worked there for 14 years. She had to explain to one of her clients, a, a young boy, um, that she had to leave. And this was the reason why, because of these mandates. And he looked at her and said, you know, Kara, you've saved more lives than the COVID vaccine ever will. Um, and that's very heartbreaking, right? Um, on the surface, that might, might sound sort of like anecdotal or sentimental, you know, but now we've seen the science actually come out, the real science, which demonstrates this boy was absolutely right. You know, that vaccine did not slow the spread. It did not save lives. And now the new research is showing actually that it probably didn't even reduce symptoms. Um, so that boy was right. Um, you know, and the, the sad thing about the mental health crisis that sort of ensued after um, these lockdowns, these firings of professionals, um, this mental health crisis, you know, it equals the loss of life. You know, we saw an increase in child neglect, um, domestic violence, um, drug overdose, suicide, right? I mean, that equals the loss of life, right? Um, we need to get back to seeing health in a holistic way, which is also part of, you know, the indigenous, indigenous belief system, right? Um, health is not just about physical health, right? And I'm sure that you and others that were speaking out and trying to raise awareness about all of this were alienated and you were discriminated against. Um, the, the things that you were sharing were completely ignored. And what's so crazy is that the things that you were trying to share with people, it just got completely shut down. Like you said, the dialogue wasn't wanting to be um, heard. There was just no discussion. I mean, that's incredibly disturbing, especially when you are in the profession of helping people. And like, I just, I, I can't wrap my head around this, how it's like they won't even listen. Yeah, I mean, it, it contradicts everything we've been taught about, you know, health and healing in a healthy society in general, right? Um, we want, you know, healthy discussion and debate and disagreement. Um, it's necessary. Um, and when you shut that down, again, people start policing their own thoughts and they don't even realize they're doing it. And what that really is, is a form of disassociation, right? We step out of, you know, listening to our own gut and our intuition. Um, we separate ourselves from everyone else. You know, when these lockdowns happened, we all got sent home to sit in the dark and watch television. And what does that do, right? Um, we're in the dark, we're watching television. And there's a wonderful book written by Jerry Mander called, um, the four arguments for elimination of television. And he talks about how when we're bombarded with these messages on television all the time, our brainwave activity changes. It's a very passive state of receiving information. And it's, it's no accident that we were sent home to sit in front of our television. Um, what that did to us, and you've heard a lot of people talk about mass hypnosis, what that really did to us um, in terms of really taking us away from our critical thinking, right? And you're a mom, so you, you can... I mean, I just can only imagine what it's been like for you to see a lot of these children being harmed, harming themselves and going through what they've gone through. Yeah. What was it like at work when you started sharing your view, views and even data and information that the people, your higher ups weren't wanting to hear? What, what was the experience that you had at work? Well, again, it was just a very alienating time in a lot of ways. Um, it was very disorienting. For everyone, but especially again, working within an indigenous agency, I think um, it was shocking to see how they kind of fell in line with the government so quickly. 
um, and again, shut down that debate and that round circle conversation that we usually depend so much on. Um, and yes, of course, as a mother, right? Like it was, it was shocking and, and disturbing. Um, yeah. Well, and especially working with the indigenous groups, I mean, they've gone through a lot in history and it's. That's <laughs> right. You know, with all our work is about decolonization, right? Yeah. So again, like, um, I guess that's why it's important to remember, like, without a doubt, certain groups have been um, traumatized more than others. Um, mm -hmm. But I think it's clear that as a human collective, we've been historically traumatized and um, are sort of primed for this type of targeting and this sort of divide and conquer mentality. And it's repackaged over and over again and history repeats itself. And it's hard to recognize sometimes when it starts. Um, and that's no accident. That's by design, right? 100%. Um, yeah, we see, you know, there's race wars, religion wars, you know, um, gender wars, sexual orientation wars, vaccine status wars, you know, um, divide and conquer. And mm -hmm. uh, it's hard not to take the bait sometimes, right? And keep us in a constant state of fear. That's right. Fight amongst ourselves, right? Yeah. So yeah. you had shared with me previously, too, though, that even the vaccinated people that you were working with, mm -hmm. some of them anyway, were trying to speak out. What happened That's with right. that? Yeah. And, and there really were. And those people, um, I have a special place in my heart for those people because it takes a lot of courage to speak out sort of within the group that you're affiliated with at that time. Right. There's this pressure to this us versus them, you know, all or nothing, black or white thinking. Um, but there were a few that were very vocal. Some of them took the vaccine because they felt it was the best thing to do at the time. Others took it because they you know, they took it under duress. They were, have a whole different level of trauma. Uh, when you're injected mm -hmm. under pressure of not being able to put food under your table. But like I said, uh, there was some very vocal people that spoke out. Of course, they were told their viewpoint simply didn't matter. The discussion was shut down. Um, you know, but the beautiful thing is they kept using their voice, right? And that's all you can do sometimes. And there's a lot of power in using your voice um, and expressing the truth, um, regardless of where the chips are going to fall at that time. You had also talked about the exemption process. And, mm -hmm. and there was, we were told that there were three steps or three ways to potentially have an exemption mm -hmm. from getting these vaccines to being able to keep, to be able to keep your job. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about that for yourself, that process, how that went? Yeah. I, I mean, I believe everyone who lost their job did apply for uh, an exemption, right? I know myself, I filled out a thorough nine page application and everyone did. Um, some people did have even medical documentation supporting that, which as we know was almost impossible to get, right? Doctors also had a lot of pressure not pro to provide appropriate medical exemptions. Um, I know in my application, we even had suggested things like, um, can you make amendments to our jobs to make us safer? Um, offers of testing for COVID ongoing. Um, even though I had had COVID, I mean, I supplied information about having had COVID and survived it, which would suggest, you know, natural immunity. But of course, we know natural immunity is now considered something of science fiction. Um, suddenly, I don't know how that began. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, there was no willingness to work with us and collaborate with us. Um, it was this all or nothing mentality. Um, we weren't allowed to go on unpaid leave either which I think really shows the long-term planning that in a lot of ways, this was never meant to be temporary and it was never about health. Um, even to this day, I checked the website yesterday and to go back and attempt to be a social worker, you still need two vaccines. Um, the pandemic has been announced as over. Why those would still be in place, I don't know. How that would help or serve anyone, I don't know. 
Well, um, with all the science and the data out now, like you had said earlier, that they didn't even work. They, they didn't work. do what they said they were going to do. How is that even possible that they can have that on their website or exactly. as a mandate? I Absolutely. mean, it's mind blowing. Yeah. I mean, we all want to give others the benefit of the doubt that they're doing things that they believe at the time it's for health. However, I mean, now it's difficult to consider that it was ever based on health. Um, I just want to mention as well, you know, <laughs> to point out some of the internal hypocrisy occurring in some of these agencies. Um, there was, you know, there was one nation member allowed to continue working. He was, he was not fired. Um, one of the women that was fired was hired back on contract, right? You know, I don't know how, how COVID knows the difference between contract and payroll, but, um, you know, those types of contradictions don't really add up at all. This is unbelievable. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. you know, of course the media won't, the MSM won't talk about these things. They won't interview people like you mm -hmm. to to tell this, to tell your story, to tell the stories that are, are going on in these agencies. Right. So <laughs> there must be a lot of positions that are still available and not like postings that aren't taken. Yeah. I mean, the thing with social work is it's a high stress job. Um, there's a lot of training involved. You know, people are educated and there's, again, that, a lot of long-term experience and skill. Um, when you have committed people that are highly trained with a lot of wisdom, you don't want to be booting those people out the door. Um, there was a period of time where there's a huge amount of, you know, job postings and they would just say things like open until filled. Um, again, like it, it's not, it's not good continuity of service for the clients. Um, doesn't serve the community to have empty job postings like that. Um, and again, we still see those vaccine mandates in place. Um, yeah, it's very unfortunate. What has been your family's response to you speaking out and being so vocal friends and family both mm -hmm. because i know most of us that you know in our community that mm -hmm. i speak to have gone through an incredibly difficult time i mean we've all been gaslit and shamed and ridiculed mm -hmm. for just trying to share information just to make mm -hmm. people look at something different other than what the you know the mainstream media has been telling them and like you said the tell a vision Right. Right. So right. what was your experience with family and friends? You know, I certainly like everyone um, lost some friends over it. You know, um, we couldn't see eye to eye or or get to a place where we would have respectful dialogue. Um, and that's very hurtful. It's it's shocking. Right. It is a real trauma. You know, I am fortunate, though, that a lot of my family is very aware of what's going on and very supportive. Um, there's no words for my gratitude for that. Um, and mm -hmm. it makes all the difference in being able to speak out bravely. Um, Again, stay healthy overall. Um, just sort of, you know, stay resilient, you know, with that family support, friends, my sister Susie, my mom, my dad. Um, I'm very lucky that way. Mm -hmm. Well, Canadians for Truth and, and myself, we gained another tribe member in you. I'm super grateful that we got to meet so and have this interview. I, this is a, an incredible story. And again, I just... We need more and more people to hear from people like you. I wish yeah. more people would be willing to stand up because yeah. at this point in, in this whole thing, it's the truth is out. Absolutely. And nobody needs to be afraid anymore to be able to share their experience and share their story. Um, the question is, how do they do it? Where do they get it out? Right. And if mm -hmm. you, a lot of people don't have social media. Right. So what would you say to people if, they are ready to say something or they're, mm -hmm. they come to you and they say, I'm really scared to do this. What would you mm -hmm. tell them? You know, I just want to say we all have different, um, different strengths. We all have different abilities to resist and step out and speak. 
Um, I think Canadians really right now need to stick to their guns and look inside and, you know, follow their gut right now. Um, resist, say no. Sometimes it's the simplest things that are going to work at an individual grassroots level. Um, you know, go ahead and vote, you know, protest, do all these things, right? Write letters. The biggest thing we can do is use our voices and say no. And if we can't say no because we're under duress, then shine a light on what's going on. Use your voice um, and just keep doing that. You know, do what you can. Don't disassociate from what's going on, though. Be willing to sit in the discomfort um, and support each other and realize we're all in this together. Um, try to avoid that us as them mentality, right? We're all belong here, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. You know? It's really important that we we unite. I mean, That's they right. did a really good job, like you said, dividing all of us mm -hmm. through so many different agendas over yep. the years and decades. Yeah. We all got a little bit of Stockholm syndrome right now, but, uh, you yeah. know, we're resilient. We see what's going on. We can pull together. Um, we're at a bit of a crossroads here, but um, mm -hmm. I think a lot of us have a lot of hope. We're making good connections and uh, people are still waking up. <sighs> so we got a lot of work to do, but we'll get it done. Right. I hope so, Heather. What Tell us what you're up to right now. So right now, um, it took me a while to land in sort of another employment situation that was sort of within my skill set. But I'm, I was lucky enough to find a really good agency where I'm working as a family support worker, um, doing some work I'm proud again of. And uh, yeah, I'm really fortunate to be there. Happy, healthy with my family again. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. I can tell yeah. that you really love working with families and children. I do. Yeah. Very heart-centered human. Mm -hmm. Well. Um, if you, I love asking people this, if you could be on a stage right now, <laughs> you know, because we are all struggling, you know, the truth, yes, the truth is out, but it's not really fully out right. to the, to the people who are still not aware. Mm -hmm. If you were on a stage right now and you could say something to Canadians, what would you like to say? Um, again, I, I just really want to, want to remind people of the power of the individual and that our rights and freedoms in a healthy society is they're real. They really are based on the rights of the individual. Let's not get lost in the crowd here. Um, and for people that feel like they've lost that power and oh, they're kind of saying, it doesn't matter what I do, you know, it's going this way. It really does matter what you do. I mean, let's think of a Coliseum or a stadium where a wave starts and we see it go around, you know, it started by one person, right? One person and look at the momentum that can build. Right. So, I mean, let's take back our individual accountability. Um, and use our voices again and be brave, right? Be brave. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well said. Yeah. And I just feel like it's really important to join a community. Yes. There's so many communities out there that are absolutely supportive of each other, like you said, at rallies, but even yeah. um, in so many different towns and cities, I see meetings happening mm -hmm. more and more. It's really, yeah. really cool. Yeah. They're everywhere. They really are. Yeah. Lots yeah. of opportunity right now. Yeah. Well, mm -hmm. Thank you so much mm -hmm. for sharing this. I applaud your your courage and your bravery mm -hmm. and your integrity. Like this is the biggest thing that I see in people that are are working with the community and like the frontline workers too and the ones that are speaking out is just the integrity that they have that they couldn't stay quiet. It's really important moving forward helping Canadians, helping humanity. I mean, this is in Canada, but we know this is a global situation. Um, and we need people to wake up. We need to unite. So thank you so much for, for speaking out, being here today and, and sharing your story with our audience. I'm super grateful. That was my pleasure. Thank you for having me today. Thank you so much. And God bless you and your family. Thank you. You as well.
Yeah, we'll be seeing you again. You bet. Of course. Keep going. Absolutely. Thank you so much for watching this interview. And for more interviews like this, go to CanadiansForTruth.ca. Thanks for watching.